on everybody welcome back um i don't even know what to say on these uh few headlines i have for you right now i guess i can just get right into them uh check this one out here first thing tomorrow morning three top staffers in harris county judge lena hidalgo's office are set to face a judge and that is after all three were slapped with felony indictments today in connection with a multi-million dollar contract that was awarded to a company for vaccine outreach marcelino benito has a closer look at the charges from the harris county jail tonight marcelino well mia we want to be clear here the county judge as of this moment is not facing any criminal charges but it doesn't get much closer than three of her top staffers now indicted. And despite repeated attempts to talk to the county judge today, she's saying absolutely nothing. When you have oh, three no, she's staff not members uh, indicted in a single day, then you have to respond to that. Judge Adolgo's silence over her now indicted staffers not sitting well with her Republican colleagues on commissioner's court. The public deserves answers. A grand jury indicted Alex Trantafilis, Hidalgo's chief of staff, policy director Wallace Nader, and former policy aide Aaron Dunn. They're all facing two felonies for misuse of public information and tampering with a government record. Wow. This is just the beginning of the process. They're accused of steering an $11 million vaccine outreach contract to Felicity Pereira and Elevate Strategies, a company with little health care experience and ties to local Democrats. We don't know that there's a fire there yet because there's not been a conviction, but there is certainly the smoke with an indictment. Previously released search warrants suggest the staffers communicated with Pereira weeks before the bid process became public and then worked to ensure UT Health, who scored higher during the evaluation process, would not get the bid. This is a bad contract from the beginning. It, it, it it didn't smell right. Despite Commissioner Kittle's no vote, Elevate Strategies was awarded the contract, only to have the county terminate it last September. The county is still working to get back the money it had already paid Elevate Strategies. Hmm. Now, weeks after the Texas Rangers raided Hidalgo's office, Carmen Rose says it's clear this investigation is far from over. Well, if I'm in her office, I'm shaking in my boots. This is not going to end well for anyone in that office who had anything to do with these contracts. Tonight, we've received statements from attorneys representing two of Hidalgo's three staffers, and both claim their clients are innocent. You can read their full statements. They're up on KHOU.com right now, and we're told all three will face a judge first thing tomorrow morning. Hmm. Back to you. Texas wow, area. That's, uh, that's crazy. That is, uh, well, more corruption for you, I guess. This time, it just happened to be on the Democratic side. You know, she's been, I guess, kind of tabbed as the the future of the Democratic Party. You know, a lot of people in the Democratic Party like really love this, really love this young lady. I mean, really love this young lady. Um, you know, she's the Harris County judge right now. Who knows? They probably want her to be married in the future. Governor of Texas in the future. Uh, maybe even something on the national you know, level. Um, who knows? In, in the future. They may have had this young lady tied to be, you know, the vice president or the president in the future. Who knows? But anyone that really pays attention in Harris County, they know there's always been something a little bit fishy about her. And you can maybe even say the mayor, too. Uh, and not everything is still, you know, allegedly, or there's still allegations, I guess. Uh, no one's been found guilty, but that's pretty close to home for her. Like her three aides 
are all being indicted. And any other time, any other situation, we would say, wow. There's no way I can't I can't believe she would have known anything about it. Like a coach. In the NCAA football program. Will get fired because of what his players does, his players do off campus. Or when he's at home and his players are supposed to be at, on campus doing whatever, they go out and commit a crime. He gets fired for it. Think about that. Like, he's not their dad. He's not their grandpa. Anything like that. He's their coach. And, of course, I'm sure if they come to him with some issues, he's going to be there to, you know, help them out the best he can. But, and I'm talking about a former Baylor coach, Art Browse. He gets fired because he's supposed to know everything his players do. He's tied to his players, in a sense. So he lost that job, and I think he's a great coach. I wouldn't say great, but he's good. I mean, he hasn't won any national championships or anything, but supposedly he has a great offensive mind, I think. In this situation, you would think that with the three aides working directly with Lena Hidalgo, I mean, you'd think people would be looking at this kind of the same. Like, shouldn't she be responsible for that? I mean, I've been on jobs where certain employees did something they weren't supposed to, and the manager got fired. The supervisor got fired, whatever. And they may have not even known nothing about it, but because it was under their regime, or under their leadership, they were they were held responsible. So they got fired. Now, do you really think this is going to happen to Lena Hidalgo? I'm guessing not. I'm guessing these one more than like what I think is going to happen is they're going to get fired. They're going to lose their jobs, right? And or they're going to be, I guess, found not guilty. And they're going to keep their jobs and nothing's going to happen to Lena Hidalgo. See, for some strange reason in this country, we've been told that all the big money moves, all the millions and billions that are being stolen, for the most part, is being done by the Republican Party. Newsflash. Newsflash. Doesn't matter what side you're rooting for. Doesn't matter what side you're voting on, Republican or Democrat. There's enough corruption on both sides to last 100 lifetimes. And I know if you watch mainstream media, they're going to try to lead you to believe that all the Democratic Party is also right and the Republican Party is also wrong. You know, that's not true. I'm telling you, it's equal. It's equal. It's equal corruption on both sides, just like there's equal racism on both sides. You know, one party is not more or less uh, racist than the other party. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. But anyways, let me know in the comments what you all think about that one. Let's go to the next. Uh, let's go to the next one here. This is according to Fox News. Okay, 
BLM defends multi-million dollar mansion purchase in lengthy Twitter thread. This is a, let's see if they have a video on this one here. You know, they've listed addresses that don't even exist on their tax forms. And we told you before about how the co-founder Patrice Cullors has spent millions on lavish homes across the country. Mm. It turns out BLM has some more secrets buried in their chest. They were trying to hide a massive purchase. We're now finding out Black Lives Matter used nearly $6 million in donations on a huge mansion in 2020. That's leaders posted from while brunching, according to New York Magazine. Yeah, explain the that house to is me. 6,500 square feet with over six bedrooms, a pool, a bungalow, and parking for over 20 vehicles. Hmm. I'm sure they're all electric. When a journalist tried to get more details on this never-before-reported purchase, Black Lives Matter sent around a memo internally saying things like, quote, can we kill the story <laughs> or our angle needs to be to deflate ownership of the property. Wow. That sounds like it's on the up and up. They tried to come up with every excuse in the book for what the house has been used for, but none of it makes sense. Hmm. <laughs> they actually said they were hosting artists there to record videos about urban agriculture, things like that. But do you need a $6 million Reverend house to Jeff do that? Jemison was featured on BLM Aftermath Cleveland and he joins us now. So they're clinking champagne glasses and, you know, living it up at brunch. Very high class affair and a $6 million spread. That money was supposed to go for what? That's very disappointing to hear. In any case, with any type of nonprofit organization, the money should always go towards those who are in need. In those need, who are exactly. In, on the ground. The well-intended purpose, whatever it's allocated for, whatever you say you're going to do to help those who the money is raised for, the bulk of it should go, 90% of it should go to uh, those who you're trying to help, not enrich to enrich yourself. Could you say hmm. that these Black Lives Matter co-founders robbed black people? You know, Jesse, um, I'll tell you, you have to be careful where you put your money. And for leaders, those who exactly. are heads of organizations, they have to make sure they have to be held accountable. That's true. Have to be, they have to make sure that they're doing what they say they're going to do. Yes. Um, this happens in organizations yeah. and, and that fall all the time. But this whole organization, um, the whole purpose uh, should be examined. And I think that most of all, we have to make sure that people who are in need are getting businesses started. Money is going, there you go. It's being raised is going directly to affect their That's lives a good point. in a positive way. Um, this, without a doubt, is not affecting their lives. The ones you know who what? need that, uh, those who. That's a good point. It made me made me think about something there. All that money that people donated to Black Lives Matter should have gone back to black businesses. I mean, supposedly there are a lot of businesses that were affected by this so-called pandemic, um, especially in the black community. You know, we're always talking about in the black community that black people don't support black businesses, you know, and the statistics show that. 
but yet you have a so-called black organization that supposedly love black people and they spend the six million dollars on themselves and not in the black community i mean do you know how many small black uh some how many small black businesses could have used that not as a handout but as a hand up are you serious do you know how many homeless black people there are right now come on do you know how many single mother families there are right now heck even single father families there are right now do you know how many they are but seeing the black lives matter don't really support what we would call a typical Western family. Uh, they probably wouldn't do that, but come on. I mean, you gotta, the people who people and or, other organizations who donated money to BLM, you're not feeling a little bit stupid right now. I mean, come on. Like you donated money to them. They spend it on a house, man. The excuse, I mean, they, I don't know. I don't know what they're saying they're using it for, but what the guy said they're using it for people to come in and record, or whatever. Heck, it would have made more sense to Airbnb the thing, Verbo, whatever. But, I mean, do that. Something. And the money they make from that, you know, give that back to the black community, but small businesses, whatever. You know, at least say that, at least say that. You know, you're allowing small businesses to host events at the house. That would make sense. But really, even with that, let's say you are doing that. Does that really take a six million dollar home to accomplish that? I mean, there are people that are black businesses that are hosting events in. I don't know, in in, in apartment clubhouses, in, you know, eight hundred thousand dollar homes, even two million dollar homes. It does not take a six million dollar home, you know, to do business, quote unquote, do business, you know, for the uh, black community. I don't know. What do you all think about that? That's number two. Man, I tell you, people, people. I mean, I know we're no one's perfect, but man, come on. Now, this one here, I guess I'll actually just read this. Well, you know what? I'll play this strict lock. Let me let me. Let me uh, share my screen here with you on this one. Coming to a state near you, perhaps again, very soon. Perhaps very soon. Strict lockdowns continue in China due to COVID-19 surge. Let's get some volume on that. Reporting a rise in infections over the past eight days. In the Northeast, there's been a spike in cases as well in the nation's capital, where new infections jumped 89% in two weeks, including a high-profile outbreak among lawmakers. Health officials say the BA2 subvariant accounts for up to 72% of cases, but it could be even higher. That's because its milder symptoms paired with the closing of many testing sites could lead to underreporting. Meanwhile, over in China, strict lockdowns continue following a surge in new coronavirus cases. And anger amongst the people is boiling over onto the streets. CBS 4's Tina Kraus has more on the growing unrest. This man in Shanghai is showing he's had enough of the COVID lockdown. 
In a furious rant caught on camera, he says the government is driving ordinary people to revolt. There is no way for me to live. While countries around the world are lifting pandemic restrictions, China is sticking to its zero COVID strategy of tackling outbreaks with mandatory isolation and mass testing. Shanghai has enforced some of the most rigid rules since the virus emerged in Wuhan in 2019. 25 million residents have been forced to stay put, not even allowed to walk their dogs. The only canines permitted on city streets hmm. are robots, broadcasting tips on how to avoid infection. Look at this. Under growing pressure to ease the lockdown, which has left many people without enough food, the government said Monday residents in neighborhoods with the fewest infections will soon be able to leave their homes. But scenes like this of people screaming from their windows show an end to the strict COVID controls can't come soon enough. Tina Kraus, CBS News. Wow. That is bonkers. Like, did you see that? Like, people screaming from their windows. They're sick and tired of this so-called lockdowns. It's driving people crazy, which is part of the intent, I believe. But my goodness. Oh, man. And the only ones that lie on the street, what did it say? Was the little robot, little dog-looking robot things? Man. But I can tell you this. America, pay attention. Because, trust me, coming up sometime soon, I'll probably say, if not during the summer, definitely during the fall season, they're going to come back and they're going to try to bring back, if not lockdowns, definitely mandatory masks. I'm telling you, it's going to that matter. As a matter of fact, that leads right into my next video. Wow. It's amazing how things just fall in line. Let's take, let's take a look at this one now. Speaking of coming to a state or city near you, again, soon, very soon. Let's take a look at this. Man, I tell you. Looky here, looky here. Politico reports, Philadelphia moves to reinstate indoor mask mandate. First major city, our first major U.S. city to do so. The move to tighten restrictions could be a sign that leaders across the country will reimpose mask mandates if cases continue to rise. Like this, this is by Maya Ward. Philadelphia on Monday announced it will reimpose its indoor mask mandate in an attempt to beat back yet another pandemic surge in hospitalizations and deaths. Its first major U.S. city to bring back a mask mask requirement as the BA2 Omicron subvariant fuels a rise in cases in Philadelphia and across the Northeast. The mandate goes into effect on April 18th. Are you serious? That is exactly one week from today. It's Monday. April State 18th, and local. Not for sure that sound comes from. Uh, state and local leaders across the U.S. have moved to drop pandemic mitigation measures in recent months as cases trended down following the omicron surge this winter cases are now rising in more than half of the states though the daily average of cases remain relatively low at roughly thirty-one thousand, the lowest daily average since last summer it's too early to tell 
though Philadelphia's move to tighten restrictions could be a sign that leaders across the country will reimpose mask mandates if cases continue to rise. The city's public measures, public health measures, correspond with the data-driven guidelines local leaders have established to stay in, quote, level one, all clear, unquote. The city's COVID metrics must meet two or more requirements. New average daily cases must stay below 100. Hospitalizations must stay below 50. And cases must have, quote, increased by less than 50% in the previous 10 days, unquote. Philadelphia Health Commissioner, Commissioner Sherry Bedigo, hope I'm pronouncing that right. I don't like to butcher anyone's name. On Monday said the city would move to the second level which requires indoor masking, reporting an average 142 new cases a day, roughly 50% higher than they were 10 days ago. She said 750 people in Philadelphia died during the Omicron winter wave and that the city is trying to get ahead of another surge in hospitalizations and deaths. Quote, we don't know if the BA2 variant in Philadelphia will have the kind of impact on hospitalizations and deaths that we saw in the original Omicron variant this winter, unquote. Bedigo said, quote, I respect that this wave, I suspect that this wave will be smaller than the one we saw in January, unquote. It's not clear how long the mask mandate will be in place. Bedigo said lifting the restriction will be dependent on hospitalization data. Wow. That's, uh, and, and I'm telling you this, when, when people, or when the so-called leadership start allowing states and cities to relax on mandates, I knew it wasn't going to be over. I knew at some point they're going to bring it back. It's almost like they're trying to get you used to what you would call normal again, just to take it right back from you. Then you see what's going on in China. So you notice with this here, for the most part, it always starts in China first. And then when China starts going overboard with things, sooner or later, the United States kind of follows. You see what I mean? Like there are a lot of things over in China right now that they're trying to bring to the U.S. Not just the lockdowns, but there are other measures and there are other rights that have been taken away from their citizens that they really want to implement here in the United States. I mean, if you don't believe me, just do your own research. Stop worrying about mainstream media. Mainstream media is not going to tell you everything you need to know when you need to know it. Like recently, within the past month, they actually just came out and basically said that there are going to be food shortages. When everyone and their mom and their mom's boyfriend know or knew, you know, six to eight months ago, there are going to be food shortages. I'm just saying, think about that. Do your own research. You know, don't let some mainstream media personality or some so-called social media person, personality or influencer, you know, research for you or persuade you to do something or, or basically fill your mind with lies and BS. Do your own research. Because I'm telling you, everyone think that Everything's kind of going back to normal. I would say the evil, the evil. They're not going to quit 
that fast, that easily. Me personally, I believe everything that happened over the past couple of years is just a test run. They're, they're trying to see how many people will fall in line with what they say. Just because there's a, a mandate or a bill or a law that says something, you know, that we have to do something or fall in line a certain way. Doesn't always mean it's in the best interest of the people. Now, am I telling you to go out and break the law? No. Like if the law is, you know, if you do after your research and you see, hey, you know what? This is really great for the people. And there are no reasonable doubts. Obey the law. But the problem is, is when you have corrupt, crooked politicians, corrupt, crooked, so-called health experts making the decisions, that's the problem. They're worried more about money and power than anything. They're not worried about anyone's safety at this point. Money, power. That's what it's about. Control. That's what it's about at this point. I hope you all realize that. Anyway, please leave your comments below and let me know what you think about what's going on right now. You know, do you think there should be more lockdowns? Are you tired of the lockdowns? I mean, did you see how crazy the guy was getting over there in China? Like they're driving those people freaking insane. Like they're having like psychotic episodes over there. Man, I don't know. And just to hear those people screaming from their windows. Man, I I, I, I just don't want to imagine what that could lead people to do. But. So-called leadership who's supposed to care so much about the people. They don't really care. In China or in the U.S. or in Canada or anywhere else, they don't care. It's about control. So for everyone who's listening, if anyone ever asks you, hey, have you ever been controlled? Your only answer should be, yes, I have. Have you ever been a slave? Even if you're not black, have you ever been a slave? Yes, I have. Because pretty much they're treating everyone like slaves right now. I don't know. Tell me what you think. Let me know.